Welcome back. Mishnah Torah Rambam, Sefer Zemanim, Hilchot Shabbat, Perik Hamishasa, the 15th chapter. This chapter is going to deal with several um, cases that are not really within the framework of what we studied so far, but are rather exceptions in having to do with, for example, someone being in one domain, transporting things, meanwhile, in another domain, and so on and so forth. Halacha Aleph. This is a general rule. If a person is standing in one domain, whether Rashut Rabim or Rashut Yahid, he's entitled to, he should be entitled to carry in the other domain. In other words, if the object is being trans- transported within Yahid, from Yahid to Yahid, and I am standing outside and just moving something, say I'm standing outside my house and putting my hand through the window, and moving an apple that's on the table from one end of the table to the other, that's fine. If I'm doing so with something that's outside, then the rules of outside apply without regard to where I am standing. That is the general rule. Moreover, if I do transport for more than four amot outside while being standing inside, I'd be patur because I'm not standing in the same reshut. Likewise, a person can open a door that has a key inside, whether standing outside to, to, to the inside or inside to the outside. An animal who was standing outside and its head was inside of Sinata, you might feed this animal with its head inside. And with the camel, we have a further uh, requirement that the majority of its body and, and its head should be inside, given how long its neck is. Now we start with the exceptions. Although that was a general rule, it's forbidden for a person to be standing inside. So, as just a refresher, we are allowed to carry outside while we are standing inside. However, it's forbidden to drink water outside while I'm standing inside. Or outside and drinking inside. Unless I put the majority of my body and my head in the domain from which I'm drinking water. When are we saying this? Uh, this is all provided that the person is using fine utensils to drink. Because then those utensils, um, I might be tempted to bring them to where I am standing. However, if these utensils are disposable, not ones that I'll care enough about to bring them to where I'm standing, or if the source of the liquid, for example, in this case, a well, was in Carmelite, so that's Already Rabbanan, even if the if the utensils are nice, if this is Carmelite, then it's enough for the head to be in the place from which 
these liquids are being drunk from. Even if the head and the majority of the body are not there. So now we have a separate example in case. Everything is happening in the Shudar Rabim except for the water. The water itself is coming from is coming from something that is itself Rashutayahid. For example, a wall of a private of, of an enclosed place or a sinor, some kind of a an aqueduct. Um, so I'm allowed to drink from water that comes from Yahid to the Rabim while I'm standing in the Rabim, so long as I'm not touching that thing that is Rashutayahid itself. If, however, I come into contact with a thing which is the Shuta Yahid, then we have to look at where it's placed. If that thing, that sinor or that wall, is um, above 10 tefahim from the ground and more than, uh, sorry, l- less than uh, 3 tefahim from the ceiling, then we go after the surface of the ceiling, and it's within the three tefahim, so it's considered like the ceiling, which is the Rashut Ayahid, Likewise, if this aqueduct had four by four, which makes it Rashut Ayahid, whether it was in a height within the ten tefahim of the ground, which is still Rashut Rabim, or above them, the Kalad Bimenumayim and I took water from there. Harzeas told this is forbidden. Why wouldn't it be Hayav given that this is Rashut Ayahid and I'm taking from something Rashut Ayahid to Rashut Rabim? Because the water is moving and therefore there is no Akirav Hanaha here because water in movement was never really in rest to be, at rest to begin with. Halachat Dalet and He is a little bit difficult to explain without looking at the picture, so I hope people are able to to um, see these pictures on YouTube, or if you are not able to, at least open a book and find one that has pictures that illustrate this. Ziz Shalifnea Halon, some kind of a shelf that is outside the window. So it's on the outside of the house, there is a shelf outside the window. Yoseba Aver Rashut Arabim, that's standing on the airspace of Rashut Harabim. If this is above 10 tefahim, it's permissible to use it. Because the airspace of Rashut Harabim only extends for the first 10 tefahim. Above that, as we explained, that's my competitor. Therefore, likewise, one may use May make use of the entire wall of a house from the outside, Rashut Arabim, so long as it's not within the first tent of Ahim from the floor. So all of this is when we are talking about only one shelf. However, if there are two shelves, one exactly on top of the other. So there is a window. Outside the window, there is a shelf. And un- under that shelf, there is another shelf. 
or a surface, doesn't need to be a shelf, just want to help you illustrate that in your minds. So even if they both are above 10 tefahim, if the superior one has a significant surface area, in other words, 4x4 or more, is forbidden to use it because now by being a surface of enough significance, it's not my competitor anymore because it's not, we're not looking at the surface above which it's standing, the ground, and, and saying, oh, so this is more than 10 Fahim above it, so it's my computer. No, this is a surface in and of itself. It zeroes the ground from where it stands. All what we are saying, above ground, below ground, all of those terms are relative to the surface in question, right? So this is a new surface, and therefore this is a reshut of itself, reshut ayahid, and we have a rule and then the, the, the ziz under it is within a comptor, it's not the same Rashut Ayahid. And therefore, we have a rule that two Rashuyot cannot coexist within the same space. So we have sort of like a an undefined situation here um, because we have two Rashuyot that are seemingly above the same occupying the same place in the sense that they are both above the same area of, of Rashut Arabim. Each for their own reason has their own status. But Hamim decided it's forbidden to use one or the other just to avoid this kind of situation. However, if neither of these two shelves has four by four, then we are back to the rules of Mekomptor and I can use both of them. Likewise, the rest of the wall, as we said before, until the first ten tefachim from the ground. However, if, if the, the shelf that's immediately outside my window doesn't have a significant surface area. It's, let's say, 3 by 4 But the one under it is 4 by 4 Then I'm only allowed to use the area that continues directly from my window as I'm seeing this shelf as an extension of my window. But the rest of the shelf, although if there was nothing under it, it would have been my computer, I'm not allowed to use it because the one under it is sort of sort of like interrupting the, the height of Rashut Arabim. And I can no longer apply this rule of above 10 tefahim, everything else in the computer, because I have the anomaly of having a Rashut Hayahid here, smack in the middle of this otherwise the computer. Sorry, let me just go back and show the picture to anyone who would like to see it, just so you see the two shelves. So this is the window two shelves, both of which are the required area. And the second picture shows that the first one is narrower than 4 by 4 and therefore the last halakha we studied applies. The bottom one is Yahid. The top one I can use only the area that's shaded here, which is immediately contiguous to the window.
הלכה ז', כל זיז היוסר על עבר רשות הרבים שמותר להשתמש עליו, every shelf that, uh, as we said, is above the airspace of רשות הרבים in a case in which is permissible to use it, כשהוא משתמש בו, when using it, אין נותנים עליו ואין נוטלים ממנו אלא כלחרס וזכוכית וכיוסה בהם שאם יפלו לרשות הרבים יישברו אבל שאר כלים ואוכלים אסור שמי יפלו לרשות הרבים BVM an exception to the exception to the exception now so I'm standing inside רשות היחיד just to review if I just went by the first halacha of the chapter I would have been permitted to do anything I want while standing inside this disease is the, the, the exception to the exception of not using something that is רשות בפני עצמה But assuming that I'm able to use it, then there is a further exception to this exception to the exception to the rule, which is that I'm only allowed to use things that are fragile and that I'll be careful that they won't fall and that if they fall, I won't be tempted to go to Rashut Arabim and pick them up. Now back to some of the halachot we studied already, but now dealing with the same exception, we are going to see where this exception of the fragility of the object applies and doesn't apply. We said that the, 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 the agalot of the Mishkan were only forbidden when they were set up as the agalot one behind the other, but one next to the other is not forbidden. So this is this case. This is not like the Agalot, so it would be permitted. So these two um, houses, two areas that are Shuta Yahid, a person may uh, may transfer things from one to the other on top of Rashut Arabim, above Ten Tevachim, which makes it Makom Petor, provided that they both are his, or if they are not his, then we have to start worrying about, as we explained, Ayruvei Hasirot, which applies when you have two Rashuyot Ayahid owned by two separate persons. But now comes the point of this Unlike the last halacha of the Ziz, here you can even do so with objects that are not fragile. And we don't have the suspicion that they might fall and I might be tempted to go down and pick them up from Rashut Arabim. However, if they are not aligned on the same height, one in front of the other, but one is higher than the other, then we do have the suspicion and we only permit the, the transfer and the transportation of objects that are not that are fragile. And so if they fall, they'll break. And I don't really have a suspicion that I might be tempted to go and pick them up if they fall. Halachatet. Bor birshud harabim vehalon al gabav. A well that's in the middle of Rashud Arabim and there is on a house that's adjacent to it, um, there is a window that looks upon this well. So Habor Vehuliato Mistarfin Lasara Ummalein Mimenu Bashabat. So we take the well and we consider it as well as the any any border that it might have above ground level 
And if that area has a height of 10 tefahim, then we count that as Rashut Ayahid, and therefore the person standing inside the house can fill up water from that well, being that both the house and the well are Rashut Ayahid. When are we saying this? So long as this well is close enough to the house that there isn't four tefahim or more of distance um, from the well to the house. Because if it's less than four tefahim, it's not enough room for a person in Rashut Arabim to pass by it. So it, it follows that that area is not really Rashut Arabim. But if it was more separate than that, then the only way we'd be permitted to do so if there is more than four tefahim is if the actual border of the well is ten, uh, is ten uh, uh, tefahim. Because what happens then is, think about it, the bucket is coming out from the well, and the moment it leaves the well, it's already more than 10 tefahim above ground, which places it in the computer. So it doesn't really pass through those four tefahim between the well and the uh, and, and, and the wall that would otherwise be Rashut Rabin. So the height solves for this issue. Halakha Yod. Another halakha having to do with this uh, suspicion of perhaps being tem- being tempted to um, to interfere with something that that's in Rashut Rabim, Harabim Asana, a pile of garbage in Rashut Rabim that has a height of ten tefahim, Behalon al and now I have a window overlooking that, so it's not a well that I want to draw from it to my house, but rather it's something I want to throw things on top of it. Shofchin Lamahim Beshabbat is permissible to throw water or other things from the house to that pile of garbage on Shabbat. In other words, the Hidush here is I don't suspect, I don't have to check that that pile of garbage still is there or that it's as high as it was when I last checked. When are we saying this? When this is a public pile of garbage, because since it's something public by nature, it gets taken care of less often uh, because you know everyone throws responsibility around and nobody takes care of actually emptying that garbage, that pile of garbage, cleaning it up. And therefore, the assumption that it's still there is pretty strong. But if this was personal property, if it was owned by an individual, is forbidden to throw because maybe someone came and emptied it out. And then it would be throwing out water normally, and this is a key word because we're going to see later that in a modified way this might be permissible, onto Rashut HaRabim. An aqueduct that's passing through the Hasser. The Hasser is a courtyard, it's private property. So there is an, uh, go back to Roman times, uh, they they had started to play along with um, water systems. And sometimes in fancier neighborhoods, they, they'd have this, uh, this uh, kind of like a canal passing through private properties and bringing water. 
and people would take from that water to their homes. So this Amat Maim is going through the Haser. If it has a height of 10 and a width of 4 or more, up to 10 Amot, this is important for a different reason. So you have to imagine again, you have the Hatser, and in the middle of the Hatser, the Hatser is being um, transversed by, it's being pierced by this canal of water. So what happens is if it, if it has this uh, area, this width and this depth, it's a reshut in and of itself. I'm going to show the picture in a second. And therefore, um, we we may not draw water from it on Shabbat unless um, you do a mechitza around it that is at least 10 tefahim high. So this is, if you can see the picture here, this is the Hatser, and in the middle you have the canal that's going through it. So if you if you make a wall at the beginning and at the end, on this side and on this side, then this is considered part of the Hatser, therefore you can draw from it, even though the water is coming from elsewhere. However, if it doesn't have the sufficient depth or width, like for example, this uh, picture here, then it's not a reshut in and of itself, and it gets absorbed into the status of the haser, and you may, provided of course you have a rube haserot, draw water from there without needing to have a mechitza that encloses it and makes it part of the same Hatzar. If it has a width of more than 10 Amot, even if it doesn't have a depth of 10, then what we have here is a technical issue. It's going to be cutting through this Hatzar and there is going to be in the walls of the Hatzar an opening of 10 amot or more. And as we are going to learn in the next chapter, an opening in a wall that's 10 amot or more is fatal to that wall. And therefore, that's what sort of what's happening here. And it's forbidden to draw water from it until you create a mechitza, an actual mechitza, because this would be a breach of more than 10 amot, and therefore it would invalidate the actual walls of the haser. And can you carry in the rest of the of the haser? So what we'd have here, assuming that there is no mechitzot, is you'd have a hatser, a rishutayachid, that's open to the water. And the water, as we said before, a body of water, is karmelit. If this had been rishut arabim, this would have been like zavit, that we studied before, and it would have been rishut arabim deoraita. However, in this case, because it's Carmelite, it's a little bit lighter, and Hamim are not as strict with it, and all they require is that you have two walls, the walls on each side of this canal that's piercing through the Haser, those are unaffected by the water anyways, and then on the other two sides, the sides that are perpendicular to the 
direction of the water, you need to have on at least one side, you should have a a line that is at least four tefahim wide, or on each of the sides, a lehi kolshehu, any minimal, the minimis column or something that at least virtually gives the impression of uh, an angle of that would uh, lead you to imagine the rest of the wall. Yod Gimal. Now for some uh, architectural pointers. How can one make a wall inside the water? If the wall is above the surface of the water, you need to have at least one tefah of that wall that's outside the water inside the water. In other words, you have a nine, and then you have one that's under water. Or maybe it's 10 plus one, unclear. If, however, you want to do it underwater, then you need to have at least one tefah that's protruding outside above the level of the water. So that you see, you very easily distinguish and see that wall as separating between the waters. It's not necessary that this wall touches the actual ground the basin of this water, once it has 10 tefahim, this is enough of a wall and it makes the, the area that it encloses permissible. But the only case in which it's permitted to have a wall that doesn't touch the ground is inside the water. Given that this is Karbelit, Therefore, it's a little lighter, and all Hachamim wanted was for there to be a heker, for it, for it to be noticeable that there is a distinction here between different areas. They didn't require an actual wall with all the requirements we have for legit walls. And this, by the way, is a picture of the two kinds of mehitzot when you're trying to separate two bodies of water and how it has to be either a little bit outside the water or a little bit inside the water. This is this picture for whoever is watching on YouTube. So there is a canal that's passing uh, between various courtyards and the windows of the house are facing it or open to it. So obviously the, the idea is for them to be able to draw water from the window to their house. This would have been pretty neat when you didn't have otherwise faucets or running water inside the houses, as was the case until pretty much 200 years ago. So let's go back to if this water doesn't have the sufficiency of its of its uh, width and, and uh, depth to be Carmelite, then it's part of that area, and therefore no problem at all, you can draw water from there into the house through the window. So 
אבל אם הייתה מופלרת של הושעה, אין ממלאין ממנה, אלא אם כן פס, היו פסין יוסעים מן הקטלים מכאן ומכאן, שנמצאת האמה כאילו היא עוברת בתוך החסר. However, if this water, although not having four amot of width or ten amot of, sorry, tefachim, four tefachim of width or ten tefachim of depth, although you would be, you should be able to draw from it into Roshut HaYachid, if it has enough of a space between the house and it, um, and, and it, uh, between the house and it, you have between the wall and it, three tefachim or more, then it's, uh, it, it goes back to and we are back to the case of the Amma that goes through the Haser, which has, I'm sorry, it's Alachai Yud Bet, and, uh, and, and we, we, we require some other kind of a Heker, like for example, a wall protruding from each side of the Haser to signify, to signal that this is where the Amma begins, this is where the Amma ends with respect to this Haser. Kesusra, by the way, has different names. Sometimes in Mishnayot, it's found as Gezustera, Kesustera, Gesustera, and it's pretty much a balcony that's above something else, and that balcony has a hole that leads to the water. So imagine you have a house overlooking a river, and you make a balcony on top of the river, on top of the water, and you make a hole so that you can draw water from the balcony, from the river to the balcony, through that hole. So you need to, again, the situation here is Carmelit to Rashut Ayahid, and you need to make something to make the Carmelit, the water underneath, to be as if it's also enclosed by walls. So one way of doing that is a neat trick that can be done, good asik mechitza or good nachit mechitza. And, and that is, um, if you have under the balcony, a wall that is 10 tefahim, so the balcony has, so from the floor, not touching the water, but if you have continuing from the floor, a wall that is 10 tefahim, you can consider that to be enclosing the area of water right underneath it. And then you can carry, or just uh, more straightforwardly, just create walls directly on the water in the space that's directly underneath the hole, like you have in this picture. And just like it's permissible to draw water from below, it's also permissible to throw water from above to below. If you have a haser that has less than the requisite size to be considered an actual house, for amot by for amot, it is also the size that you need for something to be hayav in mezuzah, as a reminder. It's now totally separate issue, it's forbidden to throw water in that very small haser that is open, presumably to Rashut Arabim, because you know that the water, the moment you throw it, it's so small, the haser, that is going to end up going directly to Rashut Arabim. 
לפיכך, therefore, צריך לעשות גומה מחזקת שעתיים בתוך החסר או בקשות הרבים בצד החסר, כדי שיהיו המים נקבסים לתוכה. therefore, what you have to do is to make some kind of a little reservoir, of a little hole in the middle of the חסר, enough to contain תוסעים, תוסעים is about, um, it's about uh, almost four gallons of water, between three and a half and four gallons of water. וצריך לבנות עליה כיפה מבחוץ, כדי שלא תראה העוקה הזאת מרשות הרבים. And it also, you need to hide it in a way that's not visible from outside, because otherwise, if it's visible from outside, then people who are passing by are seeing that you are throwing water and that very obviously the water is going to end up in Rashut Ayahid from Rashut Rabin from Rashut Ayahid. Vehaser ve'ach sadra mistarfin l'arba'amot As an aside, Harmab is adding to calculate the 4x4, you can also count the ach sadra. The ach sadra is the entrance to the, the house, the Porsche. So if the Porsche itself If you add that, if you have four by four, then you'll be fine. And Harambam is giving you now some geometry. How much do you need in order to fit two seim? About, again, a little under four gallons. Half an amma by half an amma, half a, a cubit by half a cubit. And uh, that's the area. And the, the, the height should be three-fifths of a cubit. If the hole you made is less than this amount, then it's permissible to throw water in there, but only up to the amount that it's capable of containing. If it did have time, then you can throw however much water you want, even 60 seim is what you need for a mikveh, uh, sorry, it, it's uh, one and a half times what you need for a mikveh. It's a lot of water, so you can throw even 30 times, and even more than that is just an exaggerated number of water, knowing full well that the water is going to end up in Rashut Rabim after it fills the two mizel seim that you have in, in, in this uh, oka. במה דברים אמורים? במות הגשמים, שהחסרות מתקלקלות וסתם סילות בקלחים. ולא יבואו הרואים לומר שזה משתמש והמים יוצאים מכוחו לרשות הרבים. However, this is only during the winter or during the rainy months when it's pretty common for the חסרות to overflow and it's pretty common for passerbys to see water coming from a חסר to outside. However, אבל במות החמה, but in the dry months, אם הייתה מחזקת שעתיים, אין שופכין לה אלא שעתיים, הייתה פחותה משעתיים, אין שופכין לה כל העיקר. We don't want in the summer months for people to see all of this water overflowing from the חסר and think that someone is purposely doing so, so you should only throw as much water as this עוקה is able to contain. הלכה י"ח, ביב ששופכין לו מים והם נזחלים והולכים תחת הקרקע ויוסעים לשות הרבים וכן צינור ששופכין על פיו מים ונזחלים על הקוטב ויורדים לשוט הרבים. אני מצטער. 
to which you throw water. And that water, it's inside the house, and you throw water, and that water ends up outside the house. So this is more akin not to our sewage systems, which end up underground, which is probably to begin with, or at the very least. But let's say this is the any drainage system, like the ones that we have um, in the roofs of many houses today, where the rainwater comes and then and then it, it ends up going to Rashut Arabim. So you just imagine you have a drainage system, you throw the water inside the house, and you know it's being led to Rashut Arabim directly. Likewise, if it's not going underground, but it's going on top of the wall, Even if this tube or this um, this mechanism, this pipe that is leading the water from your house into Shudar Abim is very, very long, is 10 amot or more, it's forbidden to dispose of that water through this kind of drainage system that you know is going to end up for sure, for a fact, in Rashut Arabim, this is not, by the way, minatorais, midarabanan, asur, not hayav, because you are the direct cause of the water falling onto Rashut Arabim. Ella, rather, what should you do? So you should just unlink somehow, you should interrupt the direct causality between the causal chain between you and Rajut Arabim, so you can simply throw the water right outside this uh, drainage system and then let the water flow then subsequently into the drainage system and then be led to Rajut Arabim. So this is not directly caused by you and Hachamim did not forbid this. When are we saying that one should be careful to not be directly responsible for the water coming to Rosh Dorabim? In the in the summer months, that as we said before, we don't want people to see water coming from a private residence and, and thinking that someone is purposely uh, transporting water from inside to outside. But during the winter, during the rainy months, one may do so however many times he wants without any hesitation. Because everyone who is passing by expects every pipe and every uh, hole that they see to be bursting with water flowing out from it. And actually, during the rainy months, um, most people prefer the water to stay within their haser, within their house, and... uh, and therefore, nobody is going to suspect that someone is deliberately throwing this water out to Rashut Arabim. If a person through the sewage system is leading the water to end up in Carmelit, like for example, a pipe that leads to the ocean, that's more common, or assuming that the underground sewage system of today is Carmelit, this is permissible. It's permissible. If anyone wondered, it's permissible to flush the toilet on Shabbat, even though you know that the water is going to end up in Carmelit. 
even if this is during the summer months when we said we would not allow this because this gezerah did not attach to Carmelit. Therefore, it's permissible to throw water from inside the any vessel to, to the wall of the vessel and let it flow directly to the ocean. Ocean being Carmelit. Now we have an exception to everything we said. Although the ocean is Carmelite, and you wouldn't expect for there to be a Kezerah here, there is a separate Kezerah derived from a different sugya in the Gemara. It's forbidden to uh, draw water from, let's say, the river to, the, to, to aboard the ship in which one is standing. Unless a person first creates some sort of a platform or something protruding, a shelf protruding from the vessel above the, the airspace of the water. Um, and, and through there, they draw the water. When are we saying this? If uh, the ship is low enough that we are within 10 tefachim from the surface of the water. But if we are above the tefachim, far from the water, then this is now mekompetor, it's not karmelit. Then the requirement is not for something that's 4 by 4 but something that's the minimis of any kind of, of a size because most immediately I'm passing through my computer to eventually fill out the water with, let's say in this example, a bucket. And the only reason we are requiring something de minimis that protrudes from the boat onto the water is as an heker, so that nobody thinks that you are allowed to carry directly from Karmelit to Rashuta Yahid. This is uh, another Kaf uh, Aleph and Kaf Pet are more things that are different in Carmelit, not having to do with water or with any of the things we said so far. No subjects, but are things in which Carmelit is a little lighter, is less stringent than Rashut Arabim. We already mentioned before that uh, when it's Shaina Sericha, you're allowed to carry on Carmelit. Now we have some more refined definitions of that. If someone is reading a Sefer Torah, some Sefer of Kodesh, and back then that's the way they had books, and they draw them like we roll a Megillah today. So you're reading it, and suddenly the scroll falls off your hand, and the whole scroll falls from where you're standing <coughs> in Carmelit to Rashut Rabim. And you're still holding some of it. So if you recall, we had said before that if, if you're holding something and you're throwing one end of it while you're holding the means, let's say a rope of, or something else that can help you pull it back, then there would never have been a full Akira 
and that kind of transportation would only have been with the Rabbanan. So that's sort of the case that we have here. You're in Carmelit, you're holding something, it's within your power to roll it back towards you. However, Chachamim forbade to roll it back towards you, even though you are in Carmelit. So in the Shutarabim, obviously it's forbidden, it's Patura Valasur. But even if you're in Carmelit, and even if it's a holy book, Chachamim still did not want you to do so if the book has covered ground of at least four amot in the area that is Rashut HaRabim. So the solution they say is just turn it around so the, the holy writing is not exposed, which is both uh, a recipe for uh, getting the letters to be uh, erased, which is a monetary loss of significance, but also it's for the, the respect of the book. Chachamim did not want you to perhaps let go of it for a second, and then when you're pulling it after having let it go, there has been Akira and Hanaha, and you'd be actually transporting something for Amot in Rashut Arabim, which is Hayav. But if the, the portion that fell within Rashut Arabim didn't fall <coughs> for more than four Amot, then it follows that even if you let go of it and you pull it back, you're not transporting anything more than for Amot. And therefore, the most you'd be is Patur. So, and Nikolelo is Hachamim permitted in that case for you to roll it back towards you. Likewise, if from Carmelit it went to Rashut Yahid, so we don't have there the concern of having more than four Amot in Rashut Yahid, so whatever amount that fell in Rashut Yahid, you can still roll it back to you. However, if you are in Rashut Yahid and then the book that you are reading fell to the street, to Rashut Rabim, if it touches Rashut Rabim and rests even a centimeter in it, even one millimeter in there, one inch, turn it around and leave it there, just like the four Amot that we said before in Carmelit, because we are talking about potentially, if you let go of it, bringing it from one inch in Rashut Rabim to Rashut Yahid, which is also a Melacha, right? However, if it never rested, but for example, it's suspended in the air of Rashut Rabim, so let's say you are reading it from the balcony, and never touched ground, so there would not be Akira, even if you let go, you couldn't possibly be Hayav Akira Vahanaha, therefore, Hachamim permitted for you to recover it, and roll it back towards you. As we said before, you'd be allowed sometimes to remove a thorn from the public pathway so people don't get hurt. If this is happening in the Shut Rabim, you can still do so, but you have to do so in less than four amot. So you walk three and a half amot and you stop, you rest. Then you continue three and a half a month and you rest. And if this is in Carmelit, you can just take it. And in both of these cases, even if you have to do so for 100 a month, you can still use any of these two mechanisms, depending on whether it is 
רשות הרבים אורכרמלית. וכן מת שהסריח ומתבזה יותר מדי, likewise if there is a body of someone who passed away in רשות הרבים and it's, uh, it's starting to smell or מתבזה יותר מדי or it's starting to be, um, uh, to, to be disrespected, it's, uh, it's undignified for that body ולא יכלו שכנים לעמוד עמו and passerbys and neighbors could not stand that sight or, or passing next to it then sorry this is happening inside the house so it's permissible to bring that body from inside the house to Carmelit although that would be carrying Midrabanan but from from to Carmelit they did not they did not extend the Gezera to such a case in which people are suffering so much uh, and then final final point about Carmelit someone who is coming to who is taking a bath who is bathing in in any body of water river or ocean and by the way there is because they don't attach into that but we are not dealing with those right now when the person comes out from there he must upon reaching the surface he must uh, dry himself lest being on the let's say if this was the ocean so the 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 sand area of the beach is carmelit and it's still forbidden to carry there so if i am wet with water from the ocean and i'm walking on the beach i am carrying that water transporting that water more than for amot which is forbidden the rabbanan and uh, as you'll notice here um it doesn't say hayav here but it it says rather menagev atzmo this is uh, the recommendation, it's a very strong urging for someone to dry themselves so they don't end up carrying in, uh, on, on the beach, which is Carmelit. Just a couple of points. Uh, obviously, uh, this was pretty common back in the day to bathe on Shabbat. Today, some people are careful about not submerging in water on Shabbat for various reasons. I don't think Harambam would agree with them. But uh, it's very clear from this example that not only would they do so, but they also would not have any trouble um, drying themselves afterwards. In fact, this was the official recommendation by Hachamim to dry yourself after frequenting the water and entering into Carmelites.